Hello and welcome to the 90 Minute Cynic podcast. I am your host Chris Gallagher and uh, we've got a very, um, you know, if you thought we were the hipster's choice before, well, I've got something very interesting for you. Um, I'm joined by Kieran Devlin, um, one of the prominent Glaswegian Londoners. Uh, he's on Twitter at no, not that Devlin. Uh, Kieran, been meaning to get you on for, for quite a while. It's great to have young Boldman. Oh, it's great to be here as long long time listener, first time podcaster. As of, they say. of course, love it. I don't think anyone's actually ever said that. So, I think <laughs> you you could you've coined a phrase. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll I'll, I'll claim uh, claim royalties and everyone from now on. Just yeah, just patching away with that. Uh, so just to give everyone a little bit more insight, in Kieran, Kieran as he's an as an unbelievable writer, um, writing for tell it. Well, tell you tell us who who do you write for and what what is it you you do essentially. Um, so I, uh, uh, the features editor at like a culture music magazine called the 405 and then freelancer at places like the Guardian, Dazed, Vice, um, Shortlist, London Stereo, mostly, mostly music, but some culture, football, general, uh, content, uh, around the place as well. Love the um, yeah, yeah. And, uh, been in, been in England for six years. And it's very, very. It's not. There's no, you don't have the same people. I've got to put it that way. You don't. Have, there's no. There's no. The glass. Uh, the glass got patter. Is this lovely? Uh, most importantly, though, you write for the cynical, and Absolutely. yeah, you wrote your most recent article, the binary mirage, Celtic and Rangers, Glasgow and religion. Can you tell us a little bit about that? About that? Yeah, um, the, the premise was as I was just saying, as when I've been in England six years, and it was about the culture shock of moving from Scotland to England, specifically being raised as quite a like a, a very very Catholic, very very Celtic fan. Um, you know, the, the idea of how specific an upbringing that can be compared to someone a hundred miles down the road, um, and that, and also the way it interacts. Like Catholicism and Celtic, and also the the way you you know going into Celtic forums, going into the Huddle Board, and places like that, and there might be some of an older generation, or like there might be just um, some or just some you know some dickheads in general who might have very regressive views on you know culture and society and things like that, and how that can influence a very uh, regressive view of the world, and then you go somewhere else, and it's very different. But you also feel connected to it because you learn so much great stuff, and you, you it's you it treat, there's a level of passion and kindness and humour there. It's completely absent here, for example. So it's it basically just like how I guess how different as in the, the rivalry as well with Celtic Rangers, how different growing up in that childhood can be compared to one. You know, in the north of England or something like that, um, and that there's positives and downsides to both sides. Basically, it's just culture shock. Uh, I totally like the the cynic, uh, the cynical uh, uh, release. Um, the most recent one is about equality, and it's about equality throughout football in different forms and different ways. And uh, I thought it was some unbelievable articles and stuff. Mm. And uh, I really enjoyed your article. I thought it was really, really interesting and. Um, it was good to kind of get that perspective. Um, just moving on to the, the house, 
work or whatever, what's that phrase, uh, housekeeping. Um, I, I can't, you know, off to a middling start at this point. Um, <laughs> it's 90minutecynic.com. You can download the Cynical. Um, you can download it in PDF. You can download it in an EPUB. It's tremendous for the writing, but it's also tremendous for the artwork. Um, a lot of different people got involved uh, in this issue, and hopefully that will continue as we go forward. So check out 90minutecynic.com or just check us out at 90minutecynic on Twitter, um, and you'll be able to see the, the likes and the details from that. Uh, right, this is just a normal episode of the 90 Minute Cynic. It's just that Kieran's in London and I'm in Glasgow. Um, so we're just going to keep it the same way we do. It's going to be slightly shorter um, because I'm moving in with my girlfriend and uh, he's got to go and uh, meet his girlfriend's parents. I don't know if you wanted that um, broadcast, but there you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, people can do with it. With I'm the, I'm the Sassanac correspondent now, so people can do what they want with that information. Love it. Love it. Uh, so I've got, we've got lots of questions on a weekly basis. Um, first question I'm going to hit, hit you with is from at Baldyboy on Twitter. And it's a question that, yeah, I, I'm going to, I'll, I'll answer it first. The question is, will we win the league this season? Yeah, we will win the league this season. Um, I, I don't kind of doubt we'll win the league this season. I think it's going to be a tougher ask than it was before. Um, I think that January is going to be a massive, you know, once we get to January, we'll, if we're very far behind, I think that Dermot Desmond might open up the checkbook and uh, Peter Lowell might get hopefully get some deals moving um, to freshen the squad up because essentially Celtic uh, going for 10 in a row as much as we want that from the get it right up you scenario it's a great marketing ploy as well <laughs> um, what's your kind of thoughts Keon on it? Yeah definitely especially with bringing, bringing the Dembele money there's absolutely zero excuses for for the board at this point, yeah. Um, on top of the Armstrong money and two two years of Champions League money, they do. I think if nothing else, there is that incentive of you don't. The fans will literally howl you down if you don't bring in a Dembele replacement and you don't you know, add support to the backline, etc. Um, I think yeah, I think we will win the league. Uh, I quite enjoy the fact Hearts are doing well, even though they did beat us. I think it's quite exciting to have that different level of competition that isn't just Aberdeen always bottling against us uh, having a like a, a team who could challenge for second and also when it matters like kicking it in and obviously they're very like their actual style of play is very backwards and agricultural shall we say um, <laughs> nice one. um but I think it's quite it's quite nice having a different challenger than just you know Derek McInnes like asininely moaning about shit no one cares about. Uh, see, see, you see, like um, it's interesting you you talk about their kind of style of play being like kind of backwards, right? And I do, obviously, I do agree with you. Um, you know, they're very physical, they're very robust, they're all those cliches. Um, they're very in your face, they're very aggressive. Um. But they've actually got some really good players, and they've got a really decent squad overall. See the their kind of first team; it, it's it's a decent standard, and they're, they're peppering in young guys like Harry Cochran. Harry Cochran's not been playing as much this season because I think they realise that you know he needs time to develop. You don't want to burn him out, etc. But 
you know, he's probably going to get a run, you know, January time, you know, when everyone else is kind of tired. They've got a freshness, I think, that's going to come from some of these youth players. Um, I mean, you made, you made that point about them, you know, being a fresh challenge. Um, they seem to have the Indian sort of sign over us at this point. They, they seem to genuinely be able to beat us the way that no one else can. Because Tynecastle, that's what, two defeats in the last three games? Yeah, yeah, and I think it's quite tough. I guess it's it's quite similar to our issues in Europe under Rodgers, and that we don't have a we don't have a plan B from the start. We can only really play one way until something forces an in-game change, and they've they've noticed that, and they've actually adjusted it quite accordingly. And that they are. They have like the gegen something similar to gegen press where yeah. they pushes pushes really high on the ball in defence, but then the mid they give a space in midfield and have a compact back third. So it's like it, it very cleverly exploits where we're weakest in possession in defence and in probing the final the final ball. So like I think, I think they've just got his sussed and it's Rogers really needs to expand his uh, his his tactical map to properly deal with this because I can I can definitely see as this being a running theme for the season yeah I think so I mean you know what obviously this is your first time in the pod so what your what's your kind of thoughts on how we've done business in the summer I mean yeah I, I I'm pretty much just listening to um I believe the last pod we had on um where we had a transfer summation um <laughs> I, I think led by Bowd and I think yeah I was just nodding my head the entire time I it is um there's obviously as we know there's things we don't know about there's things that have rumours and gossip that we had the three transfer targets we only got one of them in Edward. We didn't get the the right back from sporting and we didn't get McGinn. Um and from that that disrupted Rogers three five two, which then mean we have to invert our formation. So it's all like sort of spiralled out of control from there. Um I do think it's not irrecoverable, and I think that we have. This summer will be looked upon with regret, but I don't think it's quite as disastrous as it felt at the time. Like we we lost Armstrong and Dembele uh, and Roberts, and they're obviously added at different dimensions. Uh, I feel that Armstrong may be the one we missed the most. Yeah. Because Edward's quite like for like Roberts. Hopefully, Arzani can fill in that similar that similar uh, aspect. But I think Armstrong. We don't have. We don't have. And Sham, as as brilliant a player as he is, he doesn't fulfil that role. And I think that was something we missed on um, on on Friday as well. Is that those late box to box runs? Yes. Because because McGregor and Rogic functioned in the same position, and in Sham and Brown function in the same spaces. We don't have anyone that's that dynamic and shifting well, I guess the the term you know, obviously box to box. Um and I think not replacing and obviously McGinn is the ideal replacement for it, which is the most frustrating thing. We we're like covering the same ground here. Yeah. But I do feel along with replacing Dembele, we need a box to box midfielder in January. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean moving on to the kind of St Mirren game, um and Cham was stupid um, for getting sent off. You mm. know that way when you when a player makes a when he gets booked, right? You could see, and Cham was just frustrated on Friday. He got booked. Um, he had a couple of wee niggly fouls. 
and I, I remember turning to my dad and I'm like, he's going to get sent off. And as soon as he started running, it's that classic sending off second yellow when the guy's at the kind of far byline, um, just at their corner, and you come in late and, you know, it completely changes the game uh, because, you know, they, at St Mirren, fair play, they, they, they had a the game plan and they stuck to it. And if you know the whole idea of frustrating us, if it can get them a point, then then why not? But I mean, it was eleven men behind the ball the whole time, and you just wonder if they'd actually came at us, whether we would have, how we would have dealt with that. Um, but it was a sending off. Do you agree? Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, I think the the first one was a bit tentative, uh, the first booking. Um, but like the second one was easy, and he was making reckless. From what he was making reckless challenges the entire time. He just his head was just gone from kickoff. Yeah, I mean that's you could see it in his and just how he was performing on the pitch. Um, here's a question from Jamie, and it's kind of wrapped around uh, what you were saying earlier, but also kind of comes into the game on 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 Friday. Did Dembele leaving ruin Rogers' tactics? slash plans for this season. It looked like he wanted to play three at the back with Dembele and Eddie up top with KT and Forrest wing backs, but that won't work now. <clears throat> we could revert to four two three one, but then Lustig is a bit iffy oh you, Jamie, you're ruining it, pal. Gamboa's disappeared again and we're struggling for an out and out left winger that's in form. Uh I mean what's your kind of thoughts on, on that? On Friday we did although Rogers denied it on, on, on the radio when he was asked about it. Um, the fact that we went with a back three, um, we brought Benkovic in. I saw some stats that saw that basically said statistically Benkovic, you know, was kind of the the, the centre half that was pushing the ball forward more than any of the others. But going into that back three, you could see at the start of the season when we we're playing three five two. Do you think that's? Do you think he's going to try that with what he's got, or do you think he'll go back to that back four? Um, we we might we might do a three at the back, but I, don't, I can't see us doing three five two. Like, I, it was very explicitly about Edward and Dembele just as like very t- technically gifted wrecking balls just like crashing into these like uh, SPFL defences and leaving them numb and I just don't think Griffiths can work in that system um, so I, maybe if we like pack the midfield and that may be a way to accommodate McGregor and Rogic but I, I just and I think three at the back is something, if he's going to stay long-term at Celtic, is what he'll want to do. And it's just that thing, as we say, he'll want a Dembele replacement. And, and I think it will be a Dembele like for like. It will be like a very physical like t- athlete who can make the same impact and work off Edward quite well. Um, I just don't think Griffiths can fit into that system. Yeah, no, I I completely agree. If, if he was going to fit into that system, it would need to be off a target man. I know that's going to... People will turn around and say, oh, that's not how you play football anymore. But it is, all right? I'm in my mm. mid-30s. That's how you play football. Crosses into the box and headers. If it was good enough for Larson, it was good enough for me. Um, but we, we don't have Larson anymore, so that's <laughs> kind, of, kind of pointless. Uh, what do you make of Rogic? Um There's been a lot of kind of debate. Louis McCaffrey and Chris Armani going on at each other and the WhatsApp... <laughs> consistently slagging each other off, Roberts and uh, Rogic. Uh, what do you make of Rogic's form th- this season? It's not very good, is it? <laughs> no, it's not very good. Um, the obvious answer is obviously he came back from the World Cup, but he got knocked in the group stages, so he had he's had a fair bit of time to recover. Um, I, 
I'm, I'd, I'd, I'm not too worried about it at the moment. It's been five league games and he's had the intensity of like having a European game every week. He's had two games a week since coming back. Yeah. And like a lot of players are out of form. Um, and I'm quietly hopeful we'll build into form somehow. I'm not entirely sure how that will happen, but I'm hopeful that uh, something will materialise where we just like reconnect and find a bit of confidence again and... I think Rogic is critical to that because obviously like, there's a lot of argument on this pod and on Twitter about as a fair re- expectation that Rogic is technically our most gifted player. And when you think about not just how many assists and goals he gets, but how many key passes he has and how the influence he has on the ball, just even that you can't really measure statistically because he most teams play two men on him. Most teams revolve around him. So when he's on form just his very presence opens up spaces for players like McGregor and Forrest to run into. And I, I think he is critical to our play and it's disappointing. And I'm not entirely sure whether there's any lot like grand reason for it, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. <laughs> you, because, you know, if you look at a game like... Um, I had a friend up from, from Bristol on Friday and we went for a few pints in the Queen's Park Cafe and uh, we were... Mike's a Liverpool fan and it was kind of like, this will be a, ga- be a great game. St Mirren versus Celtic. Away from home. And Celtic are coming back from the international break. They've had time off. They'll be kind of biting at the, chomping at the bit, ready to go. And it was just... It was just awful. I mean, <laughs> honestly, I mean the pints were good and Mike's get good chat. Um, but you know, it, it was just, we talked about the new low album for quite a bit because he's uh, he's doing a review for um, the NME or something. So uh, Mike Goldsmith, do you know him, Kieran? Uh, it rings a bell. He's, um, he's on I, Twitter. I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't put a face to a name, but I've definitely seen his name about the place. Aye. Listen, this is more interesting than the Samaritan game, to be honest with <laughs> you. I know there's a lot of people who are like, what the fuck are the guys talking about? Um, but I, it was just, you know, there was, see, last season there was so many times when I'd be watching, we'd all be watching games, and it would be like, just to, let's just get this game out of the way. Kept, yeah. kept saying it a lot, kept saying, let's just get this game out of the way, let's just get this game out of the way. When do you start? to maybe and I'm not saying you know I'm not saying this is not an attack in any way but when do you may start to maybe look at the management team to maybe be at fault <laughs> it's, yeah. so, it's so hard to criticise Brendan Rodgers you know what I mean yeah well yeah yeah, yeah. I, I get it completely but like with it, as, as this podcast has made clear we're not we're not party to the He's above criticism camp. Absolutely um, not. So I, I, I think it's completely valid. And when you were saying, like, it was, oh, let's get this game out this way, it was, even though we won the treble, the entire season felt like, let's get this season out of the way <laughs> at, the end of the t- at the end of the point. It felt like, such, despite being so successful in the competitions, uh, there was just this degree of, uh, not quite apathy, but, like, slightly underwhelming um, does anyone and, does anyone sum up um, Brendan Rodgers' tenure at Celtic quite like Scott Sinclair? Uh, absolutely not. He's the perfect symbol. Perfect symbol. Uh, Sorry. But, which I, actually, I, it, and he's even even for this season because he's, there was like 
he started so promisingly <laughs> and then faded away, which exactly. is our first as our first two European games show. showed. I mean, and, and that's the thing. Like uh, to me, Scott Sinclair's endemic of the kind of issues we have. He's unbelievably talented. He's got everything in his locker. Um, on paper, he's far superior to any left-sided winger in the entire country. But it's just not it's just not working for him. Um, and he doesn't even seem to be anywhere near the squad these days, because uh, you know we've got Morgan coming back, and I've got uh, I've got a feeling that Morgan's going to get an opportunity, and he's really going to grasp it the way that maybe others haven't. Um, mm. And you know, wh- wh- how do you solve a problem like Scott Sinclair, Kieran? Please tell me. I well, that's the thing. Like, I, I thought the problem was looking it was going to be solved. Because he started quite well. He's got his goal in Athens. He'd, he'd been playing well in other games. He was probably our best player against Partick Thistle in that cup game. Yeah. And then he just he was dropped. And I don't know whether what whether there was anything deeper there or or what. But I, I think if Morgan's coming back and Mikey Johnson's getting more game time, I, I feel... I, I, I generally don't see what we can do apart from give him game time and then give him a run in the team because it seemed like he seems to enjoy his time at Celtic he genuinely seems quite level headed quite driven this season like after last season he acknowledged he was a bit hot and cold but like at the start of the season all those interviews all the you know the, the sound bites he was giving suggested he was ready to really hit the ground running and have a 30 goal season be the be the superstar he was in his first year, uh, first year. and I just don't know whether he's I don't know, there might be some behind the scenes, but it seems he hasn't been properly given that chance. Um, just uh, kind of final thoughts before we move on to European um, on the St Mirren game. Uh, why can't Celtic win on small pitches? Um, at Melbourne, boy, um, he's your guy for all your horse betting and uh, discogs. Uh, he's asking, you know, why can't Celtic pl- win on small pitches? Uh, you know, if we go to Ibrox, we go to Hamden, we go to Celtic Park... Uh, would just seem to be far better. Is it just a case of teams playing like Samir and did with 10 or 11 men behind the ball and making it too compact that we can't break them down? And uh, Is that where your Tom Rodgick should be coming in? Because if they're not breaking the seal, if they're not giving us that little bit of dynamism, that little bit of magic, then what's the point of them being on almost? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think in the small pitches, they, they naturally know Celtic have the core of Celtic's game is through the width, whether that is through our left forwards or through our full-backs and wing-backs. They know that's where we go in. We, do, we drive low crosses. We don't normally like float them in. We drive low crosses yeah. in, and that's where people like you know your Edwards, etc., normally are. Or in the case of last season, where people like Stuart Armstrong would be would be running late runs into the box to meet those low crosses. Um, and I think that's that's part of it as well. Um, that we don't have many people at the edge of the box now waiting to receive it on the counter-attacks. But, uh, yeah, I think it is a lot of it, just the, the compact, the compactness of space. And although some of our players take quite a few long shots, well, in Cham and Robert are capable of screamers, they also they also <laughs> have quite a few off-target. They're, they're, a, um, they're capable of Chris Commons as well. Yeah, exactly. And, I, don't, yeah, I don't mean um, sitting in a pie shop tragically um, crying yourself to sleep I mean ballooning 
a balls over the goal. <laughs> that yeah, well, yeah, yeah, exactly. But that is the case where you should be taking long shots, but a lot of them, and because the the, the quality of keepers in the league isn't exceptionally high, you you know, you've you got to back back yourself for it, and it, and it's just. With the exception of maybe McGregor, some of them aren't the most accurate from 20, 25 yards. No. So what you're saying, essentially, before we move on to European um, kind of coverage, is that uh, Brendan Rodgers should be sacked. We've got the best keeper in the league. And uh, who needs Dembele? Absolutely. And I'm at, at no, no, that Devlin. And you can send me all your abuse that way. And no, of course, <laughs> don't, 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 don't sack Rodgers. I'm sure, well, I'm not sure. I'm hopeful it's, it's just a momentary blip. And I think something like Rosenberg at home in the Europa League, which is a must-win fixture in the same way the old firm game was, but hopefully we can use this as an opportunity to properly kick on and build some momentum from this because there's there's real incentive at this point. And Rodgers, well, I know we haven't been the strongest in Europe at home under him, but he, he should be looking at this as a seminal point in this season to build upon. <laughs> Joining us now is Ben Wells, uh, someone we're very familiar with, um, discussing a team we're also very familiar with this season. Uh, Ben's from Football Radar. Uh, ben, thanks for getting involved. Cheers, guys. Good to be back. Lovely stuff. I feel like we have you on every week uh, at this point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so just regarding uh, Rosenberg, so we're playing Rosenberg on Thursday, uh, kicking off our Europa League campaign. We've obviously played in the, the Champions League qualifiers at the start of this season. Were we comfortably over over the two legs? Would you say comfortably, Kieran? Um, I mean, obviously there was a few like uh, in the moment scares in the second leg, but overall, if you if, like a, the benefit of hindsight, objectively, it was comfortable. I guess Celtic and Europe, with the benefit of hindsight, is usually <laughs> horrific or delicious. Um, but Ben, what- to our gravestone. Yeah, exactly. Uh, ben, what's what's changed since the start of the season? What's what are Celtic looking at now regarding Rosenberg? Um, to be honest, I mean, I wouldn't say there's a, a great deal of difference. Um, I think the manager's a bit more settled now, which is good. Obviously, when Celtic played Rosenberg before, um, a new manager just come in, just getting to grips with a team who didn't really want him to be there at first, I guess. Um, so. It's obviously been a couple of months or month or so since, and yeah, they've, they've definitely settled down a bit. Couple, couple of decent looking new signings as well, which obviously helps. But generally, yeah, I think it's it's pretty much the same sort of Rosenborg team in the same sort of form generally. Great stuff. Um, so I mean, from a kind of <clears throat> the new managers came in. Um, obviously we saw him just as he was in the kind of in the door. Um. What what's he brought differently from a kind of style of play perspective? I mean, yeah, the style of play is to be honest, very fairly similar. I'd say. I mean, wasn't Borgs historically play four three three four three three more? They've they've definitely. I think they've I'd say probably been a bit more attacking, done a bit better going forward. Um, when we played like last time, there's a lot of problems with actually scoring goals, getting those chances to win the big game. Um, Whereas now, definitely, there's a lot more, lot more clinical in front of goal. They seem to be putting their chance away a lot, a lot better. So, 
yeah, he's improved that aspect of the game. Uh, Kieran, is there anything you want to kind of add? Well, I was just, I'm really quite curious because obviously in the news the past week or so, I get it's a bit of a set segue, but it was just in the the news about Nicholas Bentner and that as well, yeah. getting, getting arrested. I was just, has, has that disrupted, well, from your perspective, has that disrupted anything inside the Rosenberg camp? Or do you think it's, go, it's going to be something that affects their performance on the pitch? Or. It, it doesn't seem like it, to be honest. Um, so obviously it happened over the international break in Copenhagen. Uh, Bentner and Cab Drivers have got a long history of falling out, it's like. Um, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah, it, I don't think it will affect him too much. I mean, mainly because ever since that's happened, he's been injured and I've no like to be injured tomorrow. Nothing. Yeah, it wasn't born. They've had to issue like a press release. on it in every match and that's been a problem for Rosenborg the last few months they've not really they've, they've 
looked very good in one game and they've come into the next game and it's sort of shadow of that, that old team. Uh, I think they've been a really special opportunity to play these these better teams. But at the same time, I do think they'll probably settle for maybe third or, well, third or third in the group, I guess. Yeah, third or fourth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it, well, it's... with the, the new the new European competition, that might get them that might get them in there. So the, it's a good place to finish. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, it's funny you're describing a team that um, can kind of on their day play pretty well, but have maybe lacked a little bit of consistency. Does that remind you of anyone, Kieran? <laughs> Was that uh, Rangers? Uh, hell. Um, but, I mean, so I mean, what are the chance in, in terms of you know? There's you mentioned that Rosenberg see the Celtic games as the biggest potential for getting points, and you know that's understandable with the money that's gone into the Red Bull teams. Um, yeah. But looking at this game, obviously Celtic Park, um, would they change their style of play in a sort of? We may as well go for it. Sort of, if they got, well, is there any way they would go gung ho on Thursday and just think to themselves, "Well, we're probably not going to get anything from here, so we may as well go go for it." Or will they just take their beating like men? <laughs> I think I reckon. I've got a feeling they'll probably look at it very similar to the leg, the first leg in the end, the qualifying rounds. Obviously, one new up there, sort of playing playing on the counter. I don't think they'll go gung-ho. It's not really the Ross and Borg way to do that. Um, they don't really have the players to do that either, to be honest with you. Um, I think they'll, they'll look at it. They'll, they'll probably say to themselves, and we'll, we'll be happy with a point if we somehow sneak a win, and that would be brilliant. And that would really sort of set them up for the rest of the European campaign. But I think realistically, they'll probably go there, they'll probably play on the counter, similar to last, try and nick a goal, uh, and then just hope they don't concede essentially which was the problem last time yeah um, but yeah I think there'll be some expectation of I think the fans especially will be, be saying well this is our, this is probably one of our better chances to get a result here and maybe Salzburg as well so I think they'd be disappointed if they lost but it wouldn't, be, it wouldn't set them back too much so um, in, in, in regards to obviously we've kind of had a little bit of uh of your knowledge of, of how Rosenberg have been playing, even with the kind of new manager. But you oh. ma- you mentioned in the, la- the last sort of podcast that we did um, that their, their sort of weaknesses were kind of the, quite a soft centre regarding midfield. Is that still the case, or have they kind of addressed that issue? Yeah, it's interesting. At the level they play in the elite series, their midfield is probably the best midfield trio in the league. But then when they do kind of up against better opposition, they do get found out. Especially in Celtic, who have got sort of what I'd say is quite a strong centre centre of their team. Yeah. Um, and you saw that in the first leg when, when Celtic won 3 1. In that second half, um, and Chan, I think is how you say his name. Yes. Yeah. Well done. Pitching off Rosenborg, he was uh, just walking through that midfield fairly comfortably. So, yeah, I'd say, I'd say it's probably a fairly weak area for Rosenborg, despite the fact that these guys are good at the level. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they've got a new guy up front called um, Isam Jabali, who looks the real deal since joining. Uh, I think he's got four four goals in his first um, four or five league games, and he's had a, he's had a new dimension to Rosenborg attack, and it's given them quite an edge in the league. So I think he'll be a man that they're going to look to to try and exploit. Sorry, sorry, Ben. What sort of um, what sort of striker is he? Is he quite uh, quick? Does he play off the last man, or is he more of a like bent or target fi- target man figure? Or? Well, he's more of like a 
he's an inside forward essentially so he'll play out wide in their 4-3-3 formation um, yeah he's, he's he's come from Sweden he's a very he's a very sort of tricky quick winger um, likes to cut inside I think he's got he's got a couple of goals for Rosenborg now just getting a ball out wide coming inside and curling it into a far post but yeah he's, he's just he's a sort of player that Rosenborg haven't really had the last few seasons they've had a lot of very dynamic wingers and a lot of sort of big target men but no one who can really pick apart a defence like this guy can so so yeah it'll be interesting to see how he does actually so he's your kind of guy that essentially we should all be looking out for he's the kind of main attacking threat yeah I think so especially given the injuries they've got I think that he's going to be the one who will be sort of tasked with unlocking that sort of defence trying to get the ball in behind trying to create chances and get something on his own as well after the last sort of tie, who was there anyone, you know, kind of when they were having the kind of post-analysis of um, Celtic putting Rosenberg out of the Champions League, was there anyone that the kind of media or, or the, the kind of the team highlighted that they thought impressed them more than anyone else? You know, was there talk of James Forrest or was there talk of, you know, in Cham, for example? Was there anyth- anyone that kind of stood yeah. out? I think for me personally, um, in Cham and um, uh, Edward up front were the two sort of the stats. And out guys in that first leg. I think when they when they clicked in that second half, it could have been any number of goals. Um, I think that the other two that the Norwegian press sort of picked out as well. Yeah, um, definitely two players who are sort of way above the level of Rosenborg currently. And if they they are two players who could really sort of cause Rosenborg problems, especially in the second leg as well again. But I'm sure they they know this by now. Well, I hope, I hope so. I hope they'll be looking. <laughs> Yeah, now from at least he's trying to get back in him. Yeah, yeah, they'd learn a lesson. <laughs> um, we don't want to keep you too much too much longer, Ben. Um, Kieran, you got any other questions you want to kind of probe at him? Uh, I guess just a quick one is that you mentioned. Well, mm. evident in both legs actually was that the fullbacks were pushing up really high and pressuring. Yeah. Well, at the time when we were trying, I don't think we tried three in the back at that point, but like. Uh, our fullbacks were really exposed at that point. Is that is that? Do you reckon that's going to be a very similar tactic when we play them again? Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. I'd assume so. Um, yeah, the two Rosenborg fullbacks, Melling and Hedenstad, uh, two naturally very attacking players. Um, both have played in midfield before. Both of them are sort of very used to playing that wing back role. So yeah, definitely, definitely. Especially Melling. Melling likes to push forward. Um, Melling's the right wing back, yeah. Uh, Melling's left head. That's right. Billings, uh, but Blombo scored in the first leg. All oh, right, yeah, because um, after after the first leg at Celtic Park, a lot of people were mentioning the right back. Who was the right back? Uh, Hedenstad. Well, is um, see, were mentioned in a good way, was it? Or it was mentioned in a relatively positive way. But then again, I think a lot of Celtic fans are just out um, for Michael Lustig blood. So therefore, <laughs> anyone who has a semi decent game will be kind of lauded as a better fullback than Lustig. People know nothing, yeah. Ben. People know nothing. <laughs> Essentially, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting to say that because I remember watching that game and just thinking, I think it was Sinclair who was playing on the left for Celtic, and he just—I thought he tore him apart in the second half, to be honest. But so that's quite interesting that the Celtic fans have sort of picked him out. Um, yeah, one of a better performance. Yeah, I wouldn't personally have said that myself, but yeah, I, I don't think he could um, tie Lustig's laces, frankly. <laughs> um, I don't even think that's the. Uh, don't even think that's the phrase that you say. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Ben, um, thanks for coming on again as usual. I'm looking for a prediction um, for this game. What are your thoughts? Yes. Uh, uh, the Optus 
the optimist in me says one all, but I think the realist is saying something similar to their first leg. I think I think so. No matter how below par they've been recently, I think they they should have enough to come in through the game. So maybe a bit closer. I reckon, I reckon two nil, two nil. I reckon to Celtic. You do realise that we drew with St Mirren on Friday, <laughs> Friday night. As I as, yeah, as I've been told in my Twitter mentions the entire evening um, since going on the radio, I've had that. I said I said Rosenborg might get could have a chance to get a result, and about twenty tweets since saying, "Oh yeah, but yeah, but we drew with St Mirren the weekend." But I don't know. I, I just think Celtic should have enough, and I think I'd probably be a bit more motivated in Europe to want to beat Rosenborg. So. Well, yeah, yeah, I, I, should be. Yeah, I, I think the same. Uh, ben, it's been an absolute pleasure as always. I'm sure we'll get you back on to give us a little bit more insight um, when we come to the away leg. Thanks for getting involved. You do it to So um, that was thanks for Ben for for getting involved. Um, what are your thoughts? Of, quickly, quick thoughts on the group in in general with the two uh, Coca Cola teams or Red Bull teams or Fanta Limon teams. What are they called? <laughs> uh, I th- yeah, I think is the, is it the uh, Jamaican Space or the Ginger Beer sites? Listen, um, I, I love a rum, so this is this is working out pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I give out three cans of the game. Um, I think on it's not that it's one of the possibly the least romantic group you could compile from any of the sides there. Yeah, you've got the two the two uber capitalist monstrosities, and then a team we play every weekend. A team we play more than Rangers. Exactly, um, that, that's true. Um, um, but I think it's not as like um, in terms of actual playing against them is not as daunting as initially seems because both everyone at Rosenberg we know we have the beating of and quite comfortably on our day and then the other two have we haven't started well but neither have they like uh, I, don't, I don't know much about Salzburg just looking at the results they, they've had quite a poor start to the season and Leipzig from I watched quite a fair bit of Bundesliga and they they're very similar to us in that they can be quite bright and going forward, but they're really fallible defensively. Um, I think that may be the story of this group, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think it's going to be quite good for goals. Um, I think Leipzig are a better team than us in general, but that's not stopped us being better teams over two legs. Uh, Salzburg I don't know much about, but I think there's, de- there's a real good chance of us qualifying. And I think... Even if it's not as romantic a draw as we hoped, I think it'll be quite entertaining as a as a fan and a neutral, just overall. Because I think the sides are more balanced than the majority of the other groups. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I'm just happy that I'm not going into a group a, Europe, a group in European football with dread that we're going to get absolutely annihilated like the Champions League last year. Um, that it really emotionally takes it out of you, and I just I'm, <laughs> I'm glad that. Um, We've got the opportunity to take on teams that okay, may as you as you rightfully say, may be better teams overall. But you know, take anyone at Celtic Park, any situation. Um, so with the Rosenberg game, uh, just as we're finishing off here, 
I would like to know what team Kieran Devlin would put out on the pitch tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow, um, you know what? I'm gonna be I'm gonna be bold. I'm gonna do I'm gonna do a three at the back and then pack the midfield. Uh, I'd have. I'd also just to make sure we we don't well if we play quite defensive wing backs to make sure they don't overpower us there again. Um, I'd have same back three of IRB Atabenkovic, um, and then Lustig and Tier- Lustig and Tierney as wing as wing backs, quite defensive. But you know, got got to, uh, got to defend the flanks, considering how they overran us last time. It's good, good, um, smart, smart, smart stuff here. I'm impressed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what that was the kind of dynamism I can offer. Um, <laughs> and then probably you know you've got your central midfield three of Encham, Brown, McGregor, uh, and then Rogic and behind Edward. And then the only thing I'm hazy, maybe hazy about is whether we start Lustig or Forrest, dependent. And to be fair, actually, I would probably would start Forrest, considering he's really improved defensively over the past 18 months or so. So yeah, go go Forrest over Lustig, and that'd be my... Uh, was that the team that started on Friday? Then, yeah, just keep the, the same team. <laughs> just keep the same team. I, I, you yeah, know, I, I think, you know, Rogic is a different um, kettle of fish at Parkhead when he's got that space and he's driving at teams. Um, I think... I think that's a good team. Uh... I don't really think there's much opposite. If you're going to play three at the back, I don't really think there's much you can really do about that in terms of bringing someone in. Would you be tempted in any way to play Malumbu? Or would you? I, ju- like, I, I feel that I may be quite defensive, and I think if you're going to do that, um, I, I can't really see who would drop for him. I think we were saying this in the, the WhatsApp earlier, and it's like I, I quite I'd quite like to see him come in, but I feel it, I I can't really see who drop out from that central midfield unless you were going to sacrifice one of McGregor or Rogic because I feel uh, Brown and and Cham are indispensable. Okay, hear me out. Okay, <laughs> hear me out. Right, your back three. I'm happy with that. That's in the bag. You're taking that home. That's that's definitely yours. Um. Tierney and Forrest, I'll give you that. That's absolutely fine. We're happy with that. Um, Brown, perfect. Now, let, let me finish, right? I would be tempted to play Malumbu there. Okay. Um, and then McGregor, as part Malumbu, McGregor, and Brown. But then I just give. Cham, the role, just the kind of number ten role. Okay. See what he can do a little further up the pitch. See what he can do when he's in a little bit more space. See what he can do when he has That's the shackles free. Almost this, you know what? This is probably not the game to do it, and you're probably right. You probably should, you know, uh, go with what what we know. But you know, moving forward, if you were looking to bring Malumbu in, because Malumbu, if there's one thing he brings, he brings energy, he brings drive, and he brings aggression. Um, and we can't just, you know, I think he's going to give Brown in games. I'm talking about. I think he'll give Brown a rest. Absolutely, I think. Yeah, I think he he's he's the best piece of business we did in the summer. Yeah, well, Edward accepted. Um, I think he is like ideal. To, to be like that brown coverage. It's just it's just a shame he's not, you know, ten years younger. 
Yeah, definitely, man. Um, Kieran Devlin, it's been a pleasure. Just before you go, I would like a prediction. Uh, prediction. I think. I think we're gonna, you know, kick up a gear. I'm gonna go three-one Celtic. Three-one, lovely stuff. So we're always conceding that goal, aren't we? We're just always. <laughs> we're gonna concede. We just have to accept it's gonna be. It's gonna be an easily defended goal that is gonna go in. Maybe at one each or something, and then and Cham's gonna call one in from twenty yards. When he's playing in the the half space, the ten space, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I'll go with. Uh, to be honest, I think you're probably right. It probably go with three one. Sounds about right to me. And I think Eddie will uh, get his uh, groove back, much like Stella did. Um, Kieran Devlin at no, not that Devlin. Is that right? Yeah, on, on Twitter. Um, check out his article for the Cynic. Um, check out it's the Cynical. It's on ninety minutescynic.com. You can download the Cynical from there. Um, Check him out on Twitter. Give him a follow. This is the first of, I'm sure, many appearances from uh, from Kieran. So get used to that. The dulcet tones of the Glaswegian Londoner. And uh, I'm Chris Gallagher. He's Kieran Devlin. We're the 90 Minute Cynic, and we'll speak to you down the road. Fight for